You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. I've got a real treat for you today. You are gonna wanna go get a pen and paper because today's guest is dropping so many gems. I'm joined by George Bryant, a New York Times bestselling author, top-ranking podcast host, and one of the most highly sought-after digital marketing consultants in the world. And when you hear today's episode, you are going to understand why. His tagline, Relationships Beat Algorithms, goes straight to my heart. You know, through his relationship-first approach to business and marketing, George helps entrepreneurs ethically scale their businesses in this like transactional world we're in with ease. And today, we are talking about the customer journey. This is everything in your business. And George's wisdom from his multiple six and seven figure clients is super insightful. No matter where you are in your business, you are going to find some things that you can do right now. You know, he shares his methods that he uses to coach clients to those realms. We talk about why attention without action can actually do the opposite of what you want. He breaks the myth of complexity in the customer journey. Simplicity is where it's at. And it's not about features and benefits. It's all about the after state and how are you going to help people get there? You know, and this will really make you rethink your approach on so many levels. George is a powerhouse and he is here to empower you to go deeper with your customers. Today, the long game is Relationships Beat Algorithms with George Bryant. You're listening to The Long Game Podcast with Sandra Scaiano. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The Long Game is my approach to business, the actual day-in and day-out philosophy that you have to show up, you have to do the work, and there's no quick fixes for long-term success. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, and I'm here to share the process and lessons I experience with my clients daily who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long game strategies, and I'm fun, so we're gonna have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. All right, everyone, you are in for a treat today. We are here with George Bryant, a New York Times bestselling author, top-ranking podcast host, and one of the most highly sought-after digital marketing consultants in the world. And when you hear today's episode, you will know why. Welcome, George. I'm so excited to have you here. I am honored and humbled and getting properly caffeinated, so I should be able to give it all. (laughs) Totally. Good, good, good. You know, we've got so many synergies in our approach and our belief systems, you know, and What I really love, though, is about the way you express your beliefs and you teach, you know, you really profess your viewpoint. And, you know, one of the beliefs that we share very obviously is the long game belief. You know, I mean, I love that whole piece and I love how you reference that so many times and also relationship marketing and, and how relationships really are the foundation for things and an emphasis on the customer journey. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm could talk about it in my sleep and I'll be talking about it till the day I die. So it's a perfect topic. And you know, these concepts, they overlap, right? Like when you build for the long game, you know, relationships are a part of that and you've got to have a thoughtful customer journey as part of that. So, you know, let's kind of talk about just to define it for people, you know, what is a customer journey in your viewpoint? I love this. And I get asked this question a couple times a week, and I should probably write down my answers, but they're always a little (laughs) bit different, and I really like them. And so for me, to set some context of what a customer journey is, number one is a giant mistake that I see people make is that they think a customer journey ends the moment somebody gives you their email or credit card. But the truth is, is that's the day the customer journey begins. And so for me, A customer journey is us using our authority or our know-how to intentionally create a container or a journey that gives people the best chance of success to achieve the desired outcome or can't blame us that it didn't work and instead they ask us for help. And so the way that I like to think about them is no different than a personal trainer. 
Somebody can hire a personal trainer. You can go see them for an hour a day, but that one hour is only 1% of the rest of the equation. And the success of that person comes down to how that trainer empowers them, helps them and guides them on all of the steps required in between those gym sessions to get the result. And so for a customer journey for me, it's the intentionality to create the best possible chance of the desired outcome without creating codependent relationships on us. Right on. I love that. Yeah, that's an interesting point there. And I always talk to my clients about it's thinking through all of the steps, knowing what you want to have happen next. You know, I talk with my clients saying, you are always going to get asked the question, what's next? And if you have an answer to that, you are more prepared than 90% of small business owners out there. So, you know, the customer journey is in my view, thinking through those steps of what you want to have happen as a business owner and how you're building that relationship to be long-term. Yeah, and I have a quick note on that too because this is something I say a lot and I say like attention without a next step is a liability. Mm. And I think a lot of people get really confused about what a next step means. It's not another program. It's not another Mm -hmm. offer. It's not another course. It's just ensuring that when we take the time to get somebody to look in our direction, I use a lighthouse as an analogy, right? So for lack of better terms, if I shine my light in your eyes and I get you to stop for a moment, that attention without a next step is a liability. So a next step for me is just one thing to guide somebody closer to their goal. That could be write something on a sticky note, go read a book, go for a five-minute walk, The next step component is just one next step moving them one step closer to their goal with us being the reason or the reminder that they did that to create deeper endowment and edification to increase trust and safety. So I have people that get stuck all the time, like, what's my next step? I'm like, well, what'd you tell them to do? And they're like, oh, I asked them (laughs) to read a book. And I'm like, great. Tell them to take out a piece of paper for five minutes and write a takeaway. Tell them to take that one note and record a podcast, tell them to write a sticky note and put it on their desk. But I think what a lot of people have to understand is that the success of a customer journey really boils down to how the receiving end feels and if they feel seen, heard, respected, and safe on the other end. And the increased frequency and touch points and leadership is what creates that authority for them to surrender and trust. And so there's a big difference between, hey, here's this wonderful quote that I wrote versus Here's this wonderful quote that I wrote. And what I want you to do is sit with this for a minute and make a plan for the day. And every one of those next steps is actually increasing the frequency of touch points, which is allowing somebody Mm -hmm. to either realize that this is my person and Sandra's my woman and lean closer in or the other side, which is actually a good thing. Wow, I don't really resonate like this. This isn't something that I would do. And then helping them find another alternative while still maintaining a very positive relationship with us because we were very clear and assertive and like, we know what we know. This is what I'm an expert in. Even if that means you've only been doing this for 30 days or three days, like I meet hundreds of people a week and I learn from all of them. And the goal isn't to have all the answers. It's to be an authority of what you do know and help guide people that one next step to get there. So I think it's a very, very important topic. And I don't, I don't think it's covered enough because we live in this attention economy, right? Mm -hmm. Like the number one traded commodity in our lifetime right now is attention. And in that we have people being taught to literally just get people to stop in their tracks, pattern interrupt them, uh, do all that. But what a lot of people fail to recognize is that if you get somebody's attention and do nothing with it, it actually moves them further away from you rather than closer to you. And it's almost like all these crying wolf scenarios over and over. And everybody gets upset that they got everybody to cry wolf, but then there was nothing there and they leave and they dissipate out. And it's really, like you said, it's the intentionality and also our willingness to empathize and put ourselves in their shoes because a lot of us aren't far removed from the things that we're teaching or there's still things that we teach every day But in order for our customer journey to be effective, we have to realize that our job, our goal is to have the path. It's to have the plan or the intention to design it, which requires us to think like, oh, 
what must that person feel like? Or what are they doing? Or where are they going? And how can I help them get there? And understanding that progress is the secret to the game being won. Not perfection, not a one and done, not a do it this one day, but really taking it down and understanding that time, in my opinion, is the greatest weapon an entrepreneur has. Totally. And I want to go back to that point of the next step doesn't have to be another offer, you know, and the next step can happen while they're still in the midst of having their transformation. And that's something in, you know, I work with a lot of course and membership site owners, and that's something that we really talk about and build in. Is there a lesson that at the end you can send an email and have a touch point to get them to have a more thoughtful experience or, you know, That was a big hill they just climbed. And I'm here to tell you that we all have these feelings at this point or whatever it is, whether it's inspirational or a pat on the back or whatever it is, that touch point is a next step in the customer journey. And again, to what you were saying about the intentional, it's relationship building. It's also, it's showing that you care, really. You care about the outcome. You care about them as a customer, as a person. You care about their journey as well. Yep, a thousand percent. It's really imperative to understand this because the long game isn't about like, I'm making this deposit, I'm doing this thing, and it's going to pay me back. It's completely being unattached to that and doing the best thing and the right thing. And (laughs) And in my opinion, for lack of better terms, and I'll try hard not to cuss today, but no promises. No, go ahead. You're good. I'm from Jersey. Is that really most people's businesses are designed to be no different than low-end prostitution. I give you this, you pay me this, and then we're done. I give you this, you pay me this, and we're done. But the truth is, is that everybody wants to build a 5 million, a 10 million, a 100 million, a billion dollar company. There's not one company that exists that the people who are in there were built on transactions or one night stands. And it's very, very imperative that we realize that our offers, that our services, that our coaching are not the end game. They are a bridge to the after state, but it's only one step in the equation. And a lot of people get really stuck in the, well, my offer's a solution. I'm like, no, it's not. Your video's not the solution. Your podcast isn't the solution. Your offer is not the solution. Your offer is just the path that somebody is taking to achieve an after state. And if you live in the world that you think you're And that can be so small an after state. It doesn't have to be their end ultimate Biggest goal ever. It can be. It just has to be something that moves them one step closer to their desired outcome with us as the person, the coach, the offer, the authority, the expert that's helping them guide them there. And I think that that's the one of the lost arts in this game. And how I teach marketing, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years now and I haven't changed my tune once. But I tell people, they're like, where do your marketing ideas come from? I'm like, I go back and ask myself what it was like in 1950. When you would walk by the butcher, you wouldn't buy any meat, but they'd be like, George, how was your weekend? How's your cattle? Mm -hmm. And there was all these foundational principles of a relationship outside of a transaction. And that's become the lost art. And at the end of the day, all I do is study psychology and study customer journey It's not difficult to be in a relationship with millions of human beings at the same time because we all share the same needs. We want to feel seen, heard, respected, and loved. And if we can fit one of those buckets, everything that happens beyond that point is really guaranteed to help them and help us. But when you live in the transaction world, the moment that something doesn't work or something in their life breaks or they'd have a change of heart, not only did you lose the client, but you lost the relationship because the entire paradigm of that relationship was pure transaction. And then everyone's like, I need more, I need more, I need more. And one of my favorite quotes is, you have to feed the children you have before you adopt any new ones. And it's really about finding these pockets to insert relationship, to insert humanity, agnostic Mm -hmm. of the offer or agnostic of the journey, so that we, for lack of better terms, Maya Angelou can improve upon the silence. Because at the end of the day, I know in business, a week from now, a year from now, five years from now, I'm not going to have the same offers. I'm not going to be the same person. I'm not going to have the same product. There's a chance it might change. But every time I change, I don't want to have to build new relationships. I want to have the same people and design a world to take them on a journey. So that's my thought on that one. And we talk here about 
the experience as well, not just the experience of the customer, but the experience of the business owner. That's another piece that I really, in my work, try and drive home. Like, you know, nobody gets in for into this for it to suck, right? Like, and I know that you feel the same way. It's about success and joy. And if you are transactional, you're not enjoy, right? You're just moving through thinking, you know, what's the next? What's the next? And, you know, that's kind of a desperate state to be in, to exist in. And, you know, like we've got a different viewpoint on building it out, on abundance, on all of these pieces that come into it and you enjoy the customer journey. I loved how you invoked humanity into this. Like, I'm here to talk to people. Like, a part of my customer journey is book a call with me. I yep. love getting on those calls. They don't all work out. Sometimes I do a ton. Sometimes they work, you know, but I love getting to know people, talking to them. Like that is the humanity piece in all of this. Like here's someone out and that sparks ideas and other pieces yep. and, and what I'm going to do down the road for myself even, you know, it's an inspiration. So Definitely. I want to bring up another piece that you talk about in the customer journey, and I think it's really a common uh, mistake that people really complicate it. And you know, it fits right into the conversation we're talking about with humanity. Like, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles, right? Yeah, I um, took me a lot of pain to learn this lesson. Lots of <laughs> I mean, For like five hundred dollars in- a year, you can have this tool. <laughs> yeah, in full transparency, you know, just. For everybody listening, just for some context, and I say this just for context, one of my companies this year will do 103 million, another one will do 35 million, another one will do 17 million. I've been in this game for a long time, but in that same vein, I've lost 10, 15 million dollars doing it the wrong way with the best intention ever, but not focusing on the right things, right? And at the end of the day, the path of least resistance is the best path to build a customer journey. Nobody wants complication. Nobody wants right. overabundance. Nobody wants all the features and benefits. And everybody's fallen into this trap of like more, 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 more. But the truth is, is that if you gave me the option and you said, all right, George, you can pay me 10 grand to double your business and you let me choose between a one hour call and a 12 hour video course, I'm going to choose the one hour call every single time. And what we have to understand as well, and this is a very empathetic part of the customer journey is that when we're building them, when we're designing them, when we're doing offers, when we're making content, nobody, and I mean nobody, is consuming that of like, oh, my life is great. I have an extra nine hours a day and I can't wait to take all this time and space and fill it up. It's like, oh, something's broken. I'm living in my sympathetic nervous system and I can't even think about having five minutes to do something different because I'm drowning and I'm overwhelmed and I'm in reactance. And it's our job as the leaders to understand that. And the reason I say that time is the greatest asset is because one of the biggest mistakes people make, I call it the old George special or the fire hose special, is that they get somebody's attention, they get their credit card, they get their email. And then the first thing they do is they give them 67 things to do in one day. And rather than our offer starting out in a good place or our email starting out in a good place, the person's first experience is more overwhelmed which increases the doubt and the frame of this isn't going to work for me. And the reason I say time is the greatest asset is there's so many companies I go into and they're like, look at my customer journey. I'm like, great, let me see email number one after I buy. And they're like, all right, cool. And then I look at it and I was like, all right, so this is not personal and you might get a little butt hurt, but I brought some Band-Aids with me. So we're going to fix this (laughs) right now. And I will take that first email and I will chop it up into 10 different emails over 10 days. And I will make it a one minute a day thing because what that does is number one, it creates a container that's easy and simple. And when something's not working in somebody's life, easy and simple is the best way to win the game. Mm -hmm. Number two is if I can have one touch point in one day versus 10 touch points in 10 days, I'm increasing my endowment of a relationship that's allowing somebody to actually trust me feel safer and build momentum. And in that momentum, they're actually building confidence in themselves that they can do this a Mm -hmm. little bit every day, which is increasing the likelihood that they complete the offer, they complete the work, and they get the result turning into a next level client or a referral machine. And it's really just by going back down. And 
I tell everybody, you know, I was a Marine for 13 years, right? I don't swear to have the brightest colors in my crayon box, right? Everybody's got 64. I have three. Black, white, pink. Those are my colors. That's all <laughs> you got. Those are, those are all the colors in my crayon box. And I say that because it's the simplicity of things that make them so powerful. And you can spend all day renaming your offer, writing hooks and doing mm -hmm. everything but it's really your confidence in what you have and how simply you can help somebody achieve it that's going to create the energy for them to feel safe. And it requires us to be very, very intentional about it and to understand that our job is to get somebody to their path. And whether people acknowledge this or not, one of the things I teach is my conscious and subconscious customer journey. The conscious customer journey, everybody knows that they live in. They know that they're in that journey, right? There's identify, discover, core, enroll, nurture. And in the identify phase, some, do you mind if I riffed on this for like a minute Yeah, and a half? go ahead, go ahead. Okay. You're, you've got it. So in the identify phase, it's when somebody gets to a point in their life and they recognize something in my life isn't working or I want something different, right? It's them just becoming aware that they want something different. That could be by consuming your content, by their car breaking down, by whatever, Right. But the moment they are aware they want something different, they move into the discover phase. And in the discover phase, they start looking at options like, okay, my marketing's broken or my emails don't work. Okay, well, I want to learn how to write emails. Do I want to read a book? Do I want to take a course or do I want to hire somebody? And typically in the discover phase, everybody narrows it down to like one of three options. No different than buying a car. I want a BMW or a Mercedes or a Honda. Once they've discovered there's some possible solutions, they move into the longest phase, which is the courting phase. And in the courting phase, people are collecting evidence to inform their decision that it's going to be the right choice. They will go read emails. They will go look at videos. They'll look up reviews. They'll look up testimonials. And they will stay in that phase until they've collected enough evidence to have confidence in their decision. And then they move to the enroll phase, which is nothing more than the transaction, right? It's like, give me your credit card, give me your email, buy the car. And that's the only transactional part of the phase. And then we go into the nurture phase. And the nurture phase is not about, oh, you're done. It's about now that we've started, here's how I'm going to help you achieve that goal. So the reason I say that is because that's conscious. We all know that we live in that phase. We live there, we're aware of it. We know when we're shopping, we know when we're looking, we know when we're getting courted. What's happening subconsciously is the most important part. And under identify and discover is what I call permission. And I live in permission-based marketing. My job is not to convince you, it's to enroll you and invite you. And there's a very big difference. Like everybody's out here fishing and I got fish jumping in my boat every single day because there's an open invitation. And so when you're consistent and congruent in your marketing and your messaging, and it's not about features and benefits, but it's about the after state and how you're going to help people get there and how they have a team in their corner you're writing them a permission slip to trust and lean in that it's okay they want to lose weight or it's okay they want to write better emails. But under the courting phase is where safety lives. And what people are actually doing is they are collecting enough evidence to eliminate or pre-eliminate buyer's remorse and eliminate their back doors that have stopped them from getting results previously. And so your consistency and congruency as well as how you communicate and how you build a relationship is one of the biggest secrets to scaling a big business because people need to feel safe. And I say this all mm -hmm. the time. When was the last time you're like, I feel unsafe, unseen, unheard, here's my credit card? Never. But yet we expect people to do that. And then the final part is under the enroll and nurture subconsciously is accountability. And people don't say this, and I don't expect them to, but there's a level of advocation of accountability or ownership that comes when you buy something from somebody. And you can tell by looking at customer service or looking at complaints and looking at reviews, they'll say something like, oh, this didn't work or this didn't work for me. But what we know is that they didn't even open it. They didn't read the video. They didn't open the product. And it's because when we make a purchase from somebody that we consider to be an authority, that we hire a coach or buy a course, we have a subconscious expectation that they hold us accountable. That doesn't mean we do the work for them. But that accountability can only come through an intentional customer journey. And the, one of the reasons when I define I customer that. journey, I say, our job is to build a customer journey that gives them the best chance of success or so that we can't be the reason they didn't succeed. And our intentionality in building customer journeys is actually one of the biggest tilts to get people results because when we eliminate their back doors, they can't take them. 
when I send them an email, I'm like, hey, here's what to expect. It's going to mm-hmm. take an hour a day. It's going to be X amount of time. You might not get the results. Rather than them logging in and getting frustrated and being like, this doesn't work. Fuck off. You didn't help me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I already pre-handled all the objections and they're like, wow, he said this was going to happen. This mm-hmm. is what I was committed to. No different than a personal trainer being like, hey, I'll see you at 7 a.m., drink water, we'll go for a walk. Not, here's your workout for the next 12 months, good luck, right? And it's in that world. And so my example, I have a five-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter, right? And so when I design customer journeys, what I ask myself is what's the one thing I can give my five-year-old right now that will guarantee his success? Because when I wake him up in the morning, I would love it as a father if I was like, all right, I need you to brush your hair, brush your teeth, get your clothes on, go eat your breakfast, get your backpack ready, get your boots, and we'll be out the door in 45 minutes. The truth is, if I give him more than one, none of them will get done. But if I know the plan and I break down that plan, I'm like, hey, bud, just brush your hair, get dressed, I'll go make your breakfast. And then he starts eating his breakfast. I'm like, all right, cool. When you're done with your breakfast, put your boots on. All of a sudden, both of us have the best chance of success because I was willing to actually build the journey that's going to help somebody achieve the goal, not overwhelm them and expect that my work is done the moment they bought and then expect all of it to be on them. And then when they ask for a refund, gaslight them and say, well, it's your fault. You didn't (laughs) do the work, right? And so it's a very important part for me. And I think, you know, what you're saying in that too is there is Emphasis on the process in the journey as well, because, you know, I think people forget that, you know, the customer journey to them is the sales piece, but not the process of working together. I pay a lot of attention and emphasize this in my framework of the entry process, onboarding, like we're getting specific now, but, you know, your customer... You know, the the client's customer might be someone who's never logged into an online course platform before. How do we make that comfortable for them? How do we guide them through that process so that they build self-confidence along the way as well? And as part of your experience as the business owner, that's less customer service. You don't have somebody ringing you uh, via email. Hey, hey, I can't get in. I don't know. You, You know, it's about thinking with intention and emphasizing that process as well in there. Yeah. And here's the secret about this because, you know, five years ago, six years ago, when I started talking about customer journey loudly, everyone's like, that's bullshit. You're crazy. That doesn't matter. You know, now it's (laughs) it's becoming a thing because people's discernment has gone up. Their lack of trust in the market has gone down. They're used to being scammed and spammed and everything. So now the new one that everybody says to me is like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming. How do I build the customer journey? You want to know the secret? Post-it notes. That's it. I have millions of these in my office and I have built two companies to a billion dollars using nothing but post-it notes. And customer journey is not about difficult tech or difficult language or email copy or anything. A customer journey is you taking 20 minutes and being intentional about the steps that they're going to take that is giving everybody the best chance of success. And so even now, clients pay me multiple six figures for three days of work. And the first thing I hand them is Sharpies and sticky notes. And I'm like, all right, product one, let's go. Step one, step two, step three, step four. No different than you're intentionally courting a partner, courting your husband, courting your wife, making a journey for your kids, for your friends, for anybody. But it's not overwhelming. It's that we are living in a society, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, to where everybody is so addicted to this instant gratification, offer, 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 sell, 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 that they don't realize all the bridges they're burning by not doing this. And most of the time, it's too late to recover because you know this and I know this. And I say that it's way easier to have a good first impression than it is to recover from a bad one. And the only difference isn't what you write in emails or how many you send. It's the intentionality that you put behind designing it so that you're thinking about how that person's going to feel. And so for everybody listening to this, watching this, doing whatever, sticky notes are your best friend. I mean, you look around my office and I have a large office. There's sticky notes on almost every wall. And I'm like, there's the event. There's that email course. There's that client. There's my best friend. And, and my friends joke with me. And they even have me on their podcast. And they're like, dude. 
I was a victim, and I say that with love, of like your personal <laughs> customer journey. Like you're intentional about everything. And they're like, I don't get it. I just always feel great and I feel seen and I want to help you and I want to tell people about you and I want to do it. And so this applies across the board. Your team, your customers, your family, your friends, your colleagues, podcast hosts. When you go on podcasts, like it applies everywhere. But the true quote unquote secret that everybody wants isn't in the how, it's in the intention and the why. That's more powerful than anything because you can write a bad email and an ugly email with the best intention and it will create the best results ever. And so oh gosh, living totally. in the world of like what matters is really, really, truly important. And that's where customer journeys really, really come in because people get trapped in this like what platform, what software. Oh yeah, I don't give a shit. I mean, if, if I'm like, hey, you should probably text your wife and tell her you love her or you should reach out to your wife and tell her you love her. The intention is there, but how you do that is up to you. You might write a handwritten card. You write mine a sticky note. You might buy her flowers. You might send her a text. You might have a singing telegram come to your front door. The modality doesn't matter. The intention does. And I think that that's one of the greatest things Great that example. take away. Great example. And I want to add to that as well is that it's malleable and it's about evolution as well because you know we talk about starting simple and don't make it complicated. and it grows as you grow and everything we're doing is malleable. You've got yep. to start where you are and yep. build from there. And I, and I think, you know, I encounter this where people say, oh, it's, I'm putting it on the website. Like I'm a web designer. We're going to change that up, like put it there. And then when you're done with that, we're going to move it out and we're going to put the new phrase in there. When you yep. have evolved into that new, whatever tagline that you feel now, because you've gotten clear yep. on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so I, you know, as we talk about all of this, this journey is malleable and this journey evolves. So start where you are with it and start taking those steps forward. I have a very important point for this one, Sandra, because I watch people fall into this trap as well. And just for everybody listening, the reason I teach through mistakes is because with inversion theory, it's actually easier for our brains to learn the lessons when we hear what not to do rather than me telling you what to do. Okay. So totally. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the psychology part that I've been obsessing over 20 years about. Right. So one thing to understand is that there's no perfect plan for a relationship. You can sit down on paper right now and you can map out the next 12 months of your marriage. All that gives you is a container and a framework that allows iterations and growth to emerge. And I watch people do this. Now, in the world of customer journey, when I design them, there are some that I design permanently forever because I know that they're going to hit the wicket and hit the mark. But what I'm designing forever is the container, not the content, right? So what I tell everybody is that the context matters way more than the content. And when we mm -hmm. think about that, it's never, oh, one and done, set it and forget it. It's a set it and iterate it, set it and mm -hmm. learn from it, set it and yes. grow from it. No different than a marriage. Like for any of us that had been here in a relationship for more than 10 years, a lot of us are like, it was so easy in week one and week six and, and six months. And then the work really, really happens. And as I grow and as my wife grows, as I grow and as my customer grows, the context of our relationship has to adapt to match where people are. And so I say this because there's a lot of this like, there's a finish line. I'm all done. I'm going to hit it. And the truth is, is that the moment you believe that to be true, you might as well just give the keys to your ship to somebody else because that thing's bound to sink. It's not <laughs> the end all be all. It's the beginning of something beautiful, but it lays a solid foundation that allows growth and it allows mm -hmm. learning and it allows connection as we adjust that. And so this and whole, it allows like, for you to be human as a business owner, like your interests and your ideas to change and to develop as well. Yeah, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've been through this, but a lot of people like, I need a website. I need to be on all the social platforms. I need this. I was doing 5 million a year with no email list, no social media and no website just based on relationships, right? And I literally, in the last seven years, just put a website up like three weeks ago. And I was like, I threw up a dedicated lander. I'm like, here's my podcast. And I was like, all right, now it's time. I want to invest in a new website. I want to make it on brand. I want it really pink. And it's really, really pink. And it I'm really proud of it. And black. We'll link to it. I love it. But also in that same lens is focusing on what matters. And if you're in a marriage, 
how you communicate doesn't matter. The intention of what you communicate matters. You're not going to be like, oh, in order for me to successfully text my wife, I need an iPhone or an Android. The modality or the platform doesn't matter and customer journey is no different. It doesn't matter if it's a website, a Facebook group, an email, a podcast. It matters that you're intentional with it and you don't assume that it's going to work itself. And one thing that I remind all my students, all my clients is that leadership is not saying something once. It's saying the same thing as many times as required till the last person gets it. And that's the game of consistency and congruency. And so- totally. When tying and all you these have things, to be consistent. You have to, you have to reiterate so many times. And yeah. you know, I, I know people get upset, like, oh, I said that once, or I did a video on that. I would have clients tell me, I posted that. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> and it's no different than, and I love like putting real life examples. We might complain at our trainer once a week when he's like, sleep more and drink more water. But every time we complain, we also do what he says. And we're like, yep, thanks for the reminder. I needed the reminder. I needed the reminder, right? And for everybody listening to this on the receiving end, there's a very powerful quote that a shaman shared with me about nine years ago. And he says, a student says, I already know. And a master says, thanks for the reminder. And it changes the way that we play the game. And, And really what we have to understand is that we might think that our course is the best course in the world. But if we don't build that container and get feedback and make adjustments, then it's not because our course is not good because we say it's good. Our course is good because somebody's consuming it, completing it and getting the results. And that requires us to have a little bit of humility and a willingness to understand that in the game of entrepreneurship, the moment you think you know, you're already going out of business. And the moment you accept that you know nothing and every day is a learning game, your business is guaranteed to succeed. And it's the same lens with customer journey. And when you bring up that point about humility, that really hits home because we are so much further sometimes along than our customers that we forget being in their shoes. And, you know, recently I have started working out with a personal trainer and I was driving home one morning and I thought, you know, I know all these stuff, but I love going to this person. And I don't think, I don't think. And it really hit me where I was like, this person is leading me on a journey to where I want to go with my health and wellness. And I'm following them just like I'm leading other people on a journey with their course and their content and their strategy and their business. And they are leaning on me to say, don't do that, do this, focus on this. This is what we're doing right now. And it's the same, you know, going to an expert for that work because we forget sometimes what it's like to be in the shoes of our, our customer. Yep. And I think that that's one of the biggest secrets, right? Like I always tell people all the time, you have to stop speaking to where you are and start speaking to where they are because it wasn't so long ago that we were there, right? And I watch people do this all the time. Big words, complicated offers, You look at a page and it's every feature benefit, which really is nothing more than a billboard on the side of the road. And we're speaking like they know what it feels like to have it. Yeah, they've got to decipher what that means. (laughs) Yeah, they don't, right? And, you know, in the world of sales and direct response marketing and things that we've been doing for a long time, you know, some of the greatest copywriters talk about this all the time. And it's like in the world of business and conversion, people are either moving away from pain or towards pleasure. And everybody likes to think that 99% of people are moving towards pleasure, but it's the inverse. 99% of people are trying to remove or move away from pain, and they can't even think about pleasure yet because something isn't working. And that requires us to remember or to take the time to connect with people and ask where they really are. And one of my favorite things is I used to have this joke that I don't hire copywriters because I just copy and paste what my customers say. Yes. And to this day, I literally have still never hired a copywriter because a mistake that we make in customer journey is we'll take what our customers say and we'll translate it to our current state. And the moment we do that, it's game over. And I watch people say all the time, well, uh, you know, I'm struggling to get more people to read my emails and they'll go change it to, uh, I'll help you increase your open rate. That's not what they said. They said they were struggling to get more people to open their emails. That's the only thing that resonates and lands for them. And it's another Mm -hmm. area where I watch people complicate everything, right? Before I launch an event, before I do an offer, 
the first thing I do is put a focus group on Zoom with 50 to 100 entrepreneurs. And all I do is ask them questions for an hour. And I write Mm -hmm. down verbatim what they say. And I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. Now I know exactly where you are, what you need, what you can benefit from. And you've done all my work for me. And I think it's a really important thing that people have to understand. No different than a masculine feminine relationship. It doesn't work if my wife's like, hey, I'd love for you to be more present because I feel you've been disconnected. And then I'm like, great, tell me what to do. And then I start hitting a checkbox. I missed the whole part of the game. Right. She doesn't want me to do anything. <laughs> she wants me to breathe, look in her eyes and actually be there, not in eight other businesses I'm running, right? And it's a very, very important topic because at the end of the day, we're talking about customer journey. But what we're really talking about is a Trojan horse for relationship mastery. And that's what the name of the game is, right? Totally. When I think about business, my business is really building monogamous relationships with millions of people at the same time. That's what my business is. It's connecting with people, finding common ground and creating connections agnostic of the transaction. And that's what stands the test of time. That's where empires are built. That's where results come forever. That's where revenue becomes almost unfathomable with what comes in because you're playing at a level that most people don't. And in entrepreneurship, you can compete on with and lose, or you compete on depth and guaranteed to win. And I like to win. So yeah, I don't play lose-lose games. And I like to enjoy. I like people. I want to yep. enjoy the process and I'm here for it. I'm here for the yep. conversations. I'm here to connect. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about, right? Yep. It's an outreach. It's a way to connect and a way to give an audience a way to connect. Like all yep. of these pieces are add that depth for us. Yep. Thousand percent. And I know because I've I lost count, but I've done over 5,000 podcasts, right? Oh my so gosh. I've been in this game for a minute and I always get the same feedback. Everyone's like, yeah, but how do you do this at scale? I'm trying to scale. I'm building systems and processes. I need more me. Here's the secret to scale. Remove everything from your plate that doesn't require a human and automate that to buy yes. more time to be a human because that's what matters, right? And I think that people lose sight of that. Software, automations, those are beautiful, beautiful things. And I have a rule when we use them. They have to begin with a human and end with a human. But whatever happens in between can completely be automated. And people like, how do you do this? And I'm like, I get 200, 300 DMs a day across the board. My team, like my core team is four people. And the four of us run eight companies, including a podcast, including speaking, including coaching, including courses not because we're superhuman, but because we're intentional, right? And Mm -hmm. my job as a leader is to know how I can help you. So if you're listening to this, like, where do I help? I help with mindset, customer journey, and relationships. I do that through my podcast, through some trainings. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I want to learn about customer journey, I'm going to tell you to shoot me a DM on Instagram. And if you shoot me a DM on Instagram and says, George, I want to learn about customer journey, I send you a response from me and I give you a free training. And then I ask you to follow up with me after the training. And what happens in the middle is automated. But when you follow up, it's back to human to human. And it's really about us having this intentionality that if we're going to make a stand in the world, that if we're going to say we're the expert, we can help. Nowhere in there do we say we will only help if you give me your credit card. That's one of my marketing laws, right? That everybody feels seen, heard, valued, respected, and loved, whether they give us their credit card or not. And in the game of leadership, in the game of entrepreneurship, I adopted this philosophy about seven years ago and everybody's like, I need to find more customers. You've heard this everywhere, right? Sandra, I need to find more customers. I need to find more people. I need to put a hundred more people in my funnel. And I was like, well, just from the get-go, you're in a lose-lose game. My job is not to find more customers. My job is to create my ideal customer. And that means that when I find them and I get on a call and Sandra jumps on a call and you're like, you know what? It's not a perfect fit right now, but... I Mm -hmm. highly recommend you do this and this, and then let me know when it's done down the road. And that's us still inserting our authority, still guiding and directing. And we're doing it agnostic of a credit card, which means in a year from now, and they're like, man, I really need to learn this thing. There's only one person they can think of in the first place, and it's you. Right. And everyone's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, let's take Apple, for example, right? One of my friends is a GM at Apple. And I asked him one day because he runs a big Apple store, and I was like, how many people, every day come in the store and what percentage of them buy? And he said, for everybody that comes in the store on a given day, less than 10% of people buy anything. The other 90% are just collecting evidence about where they want to go. 
But can you imagine if Apple only let you in the door if you pre-committed to purchase something that you've never held, you've never touched, and you've never experienced? They wouldn't be a trillion-dollar company with only 3% of the market share and owning 97% of the revenue. And so we have to realize that we're surrounded by these examples. And how we show up in those same examples is what dictates our success. And so my job isn't to convince you that you need to learn customer journey from me or that you need to come to my event. My job is to meet you where you are. And if you ask a question and I know it's not a good fit or you shouldn't pay me that money or you shouldn't come to the event, that I have a resource or a guide or a next step for you that's going to help you either become my ideal client or get the result and realize you never needed me in the first place. But either way, it's a guaranteed win-win game. I can't lose that game. And it's a really, really important topic. That is such a gem because it's taken it to a human level too. Yeah. You're going to succeed whether you do this with me or without me. And I wish that for you. I want that for you. Right. Thousand percent. And you know, I made a joke yesterday to a CEO of like a fucking $700 million company. And he's like, I need you. I need you. I said, you want to know what the funny thing is? Is I was like, you pay me an absorbent amount of money to remind you how to be a human. That's all I'm doing, (laughs) right? Like part of me, I'm sad I have a job, but part of me is happy I have a job because like this stuff matters. But at the end of the day, anytime people get stuck, they get frustrated. They're normally stuck in transaction or disconnection. And the moment Mm -hmm. you come home and, you know, I say this to people all the time, they're like, oh my God, only a hundred people opt in and two bought. I'm like, amazing. So let's change the game. What if those 100 people were standing in an auditorium with you and two took your offer? Would you tell the other 98 to leave and never speak to them again? And they're like, oh, shit. And I'm like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. what would you do? And they're like, I'd thank them for coming. I'd ask them questions. I'd see how I could support them. I'm like, great. So what do you think you should do when your webinar is over? And they're like, oh, damn it. And I'm like, right. It's not a hard game when you change Mm -hmm. the way that we think about it. And it's really, really, really important because it really truly is the secret to success. It's understanding that no matter which way we slice it, no matter how much AI comes out or machine learning comes out, I personally don't think I'm ever going to advocate my credit card purchases to a computer anytime in the next 10 years. So until that happens, there's still a human being making a decision on the other side of that keyboard, on the other side of that video, on the other side of that podcast. And the moment we forget that, we're guaranteed to lose. The moment we remember it, the game has already been won. It's just a matter of time, consistency, and patience allowing it to happen and the work to happen. Now, does this mean you're not going to have a hockey stick offer or one that crushes? No. But it also means that when it does crush and 100 people of the 1,000 bought, that you don't ignore the other 900 that mm-hmm. we're only one to five touch points away from becoming an ideal customer. Take care of the 100, but make sure you're building a relationship with the 900 to turn the no to neutral and the neutral to yes, which can only be built or predicated on a relationship. And it's really important. And it's like our human relationships, like you're saying, in person, you know, that, you know, I think we end up saying the digital, the screen, they're out of sight, yep. out of mind, but yep. it's taking those same pieces. You know, I often go back to, um, you know, I was in corporate world before there was social media and I go back to what did I do then to yep. get the word out about yep. the businesses that I work for, the brands that I work for. I was in fashion and pop culture. And, you know, like, what was I doing then? And I'm like, it's the same thing that I need to be doing now. You know, I I, I was talking about this recently with, you know, those old school business ideas, they are solid. And it's just use that same piece and reinvent it with our new tools and how we're communicating. But it's still good business. Thousand percent. Because, you know, what ended up happening is when the internet was born, like when I became an entrepreneur, I had to make a fake college email to get a Facebook account. Like, that's how old I am in this game. I didn't go to college. So they're like, you can't use it. And I'm like, watch me. I made an email server. I made my, I made a fake college (laughs) university and I made my own EDU and I got an account, right? But what we have to remember is that social media is in a different world. It's the same world with an increased frequency of touch points. It allows us to accomplish what used to take a month of seeing people once a week and do it in a day. But it's not a different world. It's the same world that requires the same principles and the same strategies that we would use to connect and build relationships in person. 
And it's when people think that it's a different ecosystem that they fall victim and lose because they lose sight of what's actually happening. It just simply means that I don't have to email you once a week or call you and be like, hey, Sandra, you want to get dinner once a week? I can shoot you a DM and check in and say, how's life? Your puppy's so cute. Good to see you crush. And it is an understanding that it's just a tool for us to utilize that gives us a massive upper hand to connect with people that we might have never been able to connect with. But it's not a world in its own. It's a part of this world. And we have to utilize it with the understanding of what it actually is and what we can accomplish by using it. Because everybody's so quick, and I love this, oh, the algorithm, they're ghosting my content, they're not showing it to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you mean on the free platform that gives you thousands of people that you would have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to connect with? Like, be careful what you bitch about. Be very, (laughs) very careful because there's a lot of people that are bitching about it that if Instagram and Facebook went out of business tomorrow, they would be out of business with them. And the solution is the same thing I'm talking about. It's understanding that it's just one tool in your toolbox, but it's a tool to create a relationship that will last and be agnostic of the platform. Like my team jokes to me, like I deleted my social media account that had a million followers because I got tired and they all got so mad at me and I wanted a break. I didn't close it. I didn't archive it. I hit delete of a million followers and every one of my entrepreneur friends looked like they shit their pants and they were like, you're psycho. You belong locked up. And I'm like, why? And they're like, you lost all that hard work. I'm like, no, I didn't watch. I'll open a Facebook group in a week and 5,000 people will join. Not because I was on Instagram, but because I had a relationship agnostic of Instagram. And sure as right, shit, right. it happens every single time. And so it's very important to remember how these are tools in our arsenal or tools in our toolbox, but they aren't our entire existence. And if you take a lot of the stuff that we've talked about and you apply that over, you start to realize that these are just plays in your playbook that help you accomplish a goal, but you have to understand the game that you're playing. And it's a huge point. And thinking about like you being in corporate or what was it like when I actually had to have a paper planner and a paper calendar and like follow up with people. I would send handwritten letters in the mail. I would make phone calls, right? Like we've lost the art of connection and the truth is the art. And if you didn't have the relationship, you made it. I found out who to talk to and I called them up and I invited them into my company and said, come in. Which is my favorite part of everyone's like, nobody's seeing my Instagram posts. And I was like, what do you think? Because you made an account and you made content that somebody owes you their fucking attention. That's like going (laughs) down in Times Square and putting a sign on yourself and standing there in silence and getting upset that nobody comes and pays you money. Stop bitching. No. How are you proactively creating and how are you proactively leading it, right? And I'll give Mm -hmm. everybody a hack right now. This is my favorite one. I do this to everybody's Instagram because it's the fastest path for them to get what I'm saying. But they'll say something to me like, oh, George, I only have 4,000 followers and 100 people like my post and only two people comment. And I'm like, amazing. Did you respond to the two comments? They're like, no. And I'm like, great, start there. Because if you don't respond, they'll never comment again. If you do, They'll understand that they're being seen and heard and they'll comment again. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, but I'm so pissed. Only a hundred people liked it and nobody commented. I'm like, great. Have you ever thought about going to those hundred people that liked it and realized that at some point they showed interest and they were just missing the invitation of the connection to create that comment? They're like, what do you mean? I was like, when was the last time you commented on any of their stuff? And they're like, never. And I was like, what? So you think they owe you a comment? You think they owe you a cold conversation. That's so good. (laughs) And I was like, great. So go to everybody who liked it and go to their profile and leave a meaningful comment on one of each of their posts. And then a week later, they're like, George, I got 75 comments on a post. Holy moly. And I was like, oh, you still think you need more followers? No, you need more relationships. And our job is to lead them because you're either a leader or a follower. But I will tell you what doesn't get results is following and waiting and sitting and ruminating. It and requires that key of meaningful. It's not like I'm in the game and I'm just putting an emoji there. I put a nope. heart. Like, okay, like I can't even comment back to you at that. Like, thanks for the love. And I mean, it's, but it's really gotta be meaningful. You. you build that relationship. I know who leaves a meaningful comment to me and then it sparks it back, right? You you get percent. in a discourse. Thousand percent. Like people like George, how do you get all these celebrities on your podcast? How are you friends with all these people? I was like, well. When I find them and I like them, I go meaningfully add value to their life and I comment and I engage. And then when I'm like, you know what, now's a good time. And I shoot them a DM. They're like, dude, I love your comments. I'd love to come on your podcast. And they're like, 
that dude wanted to charge me a hundred grand to come on hit my show. And he said yes to yours three times for free. What'd you do? And I was like, I asked him how his day was. I told him that I was proud of what he posted. Uh, I said his daughter was adorable. I thanked him for the impact he's had on my life. I don't know. I asked. It's this lost art that makes a massive difference. And here's the thing. Once you have established relationships, I have no problem commenting with hearts and emojis mm -hmm. because right. there's an established relationship. And it's like, right, hey, I see totally. you. I appreciate you. I'm boom. Yep. But it and I'm really still here. I didn't just get what I wanted and take off. Thousand either. percent. That is it. It's longevity in that relationship as well. And it's no different than friends and best friends, like our mutual friend April, right? April and I can go 90 days, 120 days without talking, and then I'll see something in comment. And it's like, I love you. I miss you. It's great. And that's because the context of our relationship is predicated on value, not transactions. And so you can go two mm. months, six months, eight months, right? Like I have an event coming up and everyone's like, how did you get a $10,000 gift box for your VIPs. I'm like, I picked up the phone. Like, when was the last time you talked to them? Like a year ago? And they're like, did you really call them and just ask for product? I'm like, yeah, because that's yes, the pre-existing yes, relationship totally. that we have built. And here's the thing. If they say no, I'm like, thanks. How can I support you? If they say yes, I'm like, great, thanks. How can I support you, right? And it's really understanding putting the art of relationship is the secret to all of this working. And it's something that is, for whatever reason, has become a lost art. But the beautiful part is that it's the simplistic things that guarantee success. And so when everybody else is losing this game, they're trying to transact more, scale more, automate more, you sending one message that says, hey, how's your morning, is the biggest difference. Like when you add me as a friend on Facebook, I don't believe in hoarding relationships. I can't stand them. I don't want somebody to be like, I have 5,000 Facebook friends. I don't give a shit. I don't care. So when everybody adds me as a friend, we don't accept them all. I send them a mm -hmm. video message thanking them and asking them how they found me and how I can help them. And if they don't have an answer, then I'm like, great. Well, I'm here when you're ready. And I only accept the ones that respond knowing that I can serve them. When somebody follows me on Instagram every single day, I record a video and I say, thank you so much. There's a lot of noise in the world and you're choosing to pay attention to me. I am sending this video to you and about 60 other people. It's not personalized, but I'm genuinely here to help. If I can help you with customer journey or marketing or my podcast, you just respond and let me know. But either way, thanks for the follow. Everyone's like, where's all your business come from? I'm like, the amount of responses to those I get, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this alone makes me want to hire you. I just want to pay you. You know how long it takes me? 20 seconds to record that video right. and about six minutes to send a hundred of them. But the difference is in a crowded world, in a disconnected world, in a transactional world, being a decent human being is the best quote unquote strategy and tactic that you could ever employ to get any result you want in your business. But it requires that we're intentional and that we're active in that relationship because passive relationships fail and active relationships work. They require action. They require intention. They require work. And the work is the most beautiful part because it's where you get everything that people pay millions of dollars for. Like companies pay $5 million to get data that I can get in three conversations on Instagram. Companies so cool. pay a million dollars for customer research that I can get with five people on Zoom. But it requires that we lead that relationship. And it's a very important topic. Woo! Well, if you guys want to hear more, the Mind of George podcast, we're going to have a link to it in the show notes. And we're also linking to a free five-part video series, The Last Customer Journey that George yep. has. So if you have loved this conversation, I really invite you to follow up on these links. Go check it out. The podcast, super engaging. I'm a follower. I'm a listener. And it's funny. I, I always listen while I walk my dog. And sometimes I get pissed because I'm like, you know, I've got to pause and then do a voice memo to myself. And then, yeah. you know, it's not like a, you know, it, you really, you really bring it. And um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge here, bringing it and just bringing yourself and all of that and all of that, that real and reality it, for us. It's an absolute honor. If I can ever do another one, if you want to do a part two, I'm always here. And, and I'll give everybody one more. If you're listening to this, of course, she's going to have the website in the show notes. It's mindofgeorge.com. It's the easiest place. But if you even want to see this, if you have a question, if I opened a loop and you're like, I need clarity, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and ask me. I promise you I will answer. I'm the only one who answers. That's me. 
And you can see it. If you want my top podcast, just say, I want your top podcast. If you want my customer journey, say it. I will ask you some questions and I will give it to you just to help you do it. But I will tell you this, and and I say this on every podcast. The biggest insult to me is if you listen to this and do nothing. The biggest benefit and feedback that you can give me is that you take one thing from today and you apply it into your business and then come back and take another one because shelf help doesn't grow businesses. It doesn't change the game, but the intention does. And so just take one thing. And if you find yourself stuck, if there's a roadblock, if there's a lack of clarity, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm sure Sandra will link in the notes, but my Instagram is easy. It's it's George Bryant and the it's is a part of it. I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T. <laughs> I figured the was a little conceited. Oh, so I, I went love with it. it. It's so clever compared to the, right? Yeah. Well, the only reason I don't have George Bryant is because some like 78-year-old realtor in Michigan had all of the properties <laughs> and retired. It took me four years to get the website. And by the time I got the website, I'd already built another one on mindofgeorge.com. So I kept it. And I did all the socials to be It's George Bryant because he had all the other ones. And then he right. finally gave them to me. And I'm like, well... I'm not going to change I'm it here now. Already. So. I got my spot. You got your own I got real my son, estate. I so. got my sunk costs in and I'm okay with this one. Yeah. So, but I mean that if I can help, if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, reach out. My team and I will do anything that we can to support you. Awesome. Will do. And everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info in the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game.